Welcome to Fruitful and Multiplying, a podcast from the Jewish Fertility Foundation. I'm your host, Ilana Frank. The first commandment in the Bible is to be fruitful and multiply. But what if, due to infertility, that path isn't so straightforward? This is a podcast about the fertility path less traveled. From the inspiring and the inspired, and the cutting-edge technology and science that continues to evolve to make it all possible. All right, here we go. I am beyond thrilled to introduce you all today to Jamie Ray Newman, who everyone already knows as Christina from the soap opera General Hospital, as Cat on Eastwick, and as Dr. Tess in Eureka. She was also in Catch Me If You Can, and more recently Dope Sick, which I just started watching P.S., The Time Traveler's Wife, and Grendel, among others. Most notably, she won the Academy Award for Best Live Action Short Film in 2019 for producing the 2018 drama Skin. Jamie actually went to a Jewish day school in Detroit for much of her life. I can't wait to hear more about that. And later on, married Israeli writer and director Guy Nativ in Tel Aviv in 2012. Together, they have two daughters, but their path to parenthood was not always easy. They underwent in vitro fertilization and endured multiple miscarriages, as well as a stillbirth in 2013. She turned to surrogacy for Alma and Mila, and Mila was actually born 15 weeks early and weighed one pound, nine ounces. Whew. Jamie, thank you so much for being here with us today. I've been following you for so many years, and I'm just really, really personally so excited to have you on our podcast. So welcome. All right. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit more about your upbringing and how you met your husband? Um, okay. So I uh, grew up in Detroit, Michigan. I went to a Jewish day school, Hillel day school. <laughs> uh, big ups to Hillel. Um, so I, I, I studied Hebrew, you know, till I was um, in eighth grade. I spoke it pretty fluently. And then I went to Cranbrook, which is a wonderful arts high school. I knew I wanted to be an actress since I was 10, was doing professional theater in Detroit and was um, just knew that this is what I wanted to do pretty much always. Went to Interlochen, et cetera. Was always very, very career focused since literally like out of the womb. <laughs> I didn't even really think about kids, to be perfectly honest. It was just all about like, I want to be a producer, actress, writer. Like, I just want to be in the arts. Um, I went to Northwestern. I started at Boston University in their theater conservatory. I didn't love it. Transferred to Northwestern. I was an English major. Moved out to L.A. right after I graduated. My parents were had moved also out to L.A. And I quickly started working. Very, very lucky. And I, I was on General Hospital. You know, that was my first job. And and just have, you know, been worked really hard, but also been very lucky. Um, and have, you know, had a nice career as an actress and I was producer. Um, I met my husband in Israel. Um 13 years ago in uh, 2009. Actually, it's exactly okay. now. Like to this day, 2009, I met him. I, we were introduced um, through, my sister was dating an agent at William Morris at the time. And he was like, you should meet this really talented client of mine because he knew I was interested in producing. And we literally just met creatively, you know, just to talk about projects. We met the day I was flying back to LA. Okay. I had my luggage with me. I was on my way to the airport. And we met for coffee and it was, I literally like, we've been basically together ever since. 
I mean, it was like someone took a big mallet and just bopped me over the head. And, you know, you, in terms of like talking about kids, and I say this to people, I never really thought about, like, I was never the kid that played, you know, babies and wedding with my Barbie dolls. I think I played like, you know, Barbie goes to Hollywood, (laughs) you know, Barbie's the CEO. Um, But when I met Guy, my husband's name is Guy, um, I I thought, oh, I want his kids. Like, okay, I'll have babies with him. So it was like person specific rather than just generally. I mean, my sister, who's three years younger than me, she's a total opposite. She's wanted to be a mom from, you know, the, the, the day she came out of the oven. Hmm. Um, so, you know, it was, it was person specific. I like that. And so you fall in love and you get married. And at what point do you guys start talking about building your family? Well, we, so we were long distance for four years, Tel Aviv, LA. It was really rough. (laughs) It was, uh, very, very, very difficult to, to maintain that. Um, honestly, I think like the, that first time at the coffee shop, when we met, we talked about hey, do you, do you ever want to get married in your life? Yeah. Do you want kids in your life? Yeah. Like we had that conversation, I think the first day we met. <laughs> so you transitioned quickly to, from, you know, a business meeting. Got it. Okay. So quick, so fast. <laughs> right. I mean, it was like, what kind of movies do you like? Do you ever want to get married? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was never, you know, it was never something that we tiptoed around. It was just from day one, we were on the same page about it. Um, he comes from a family of three. I come from a family two of two. I think that was like the only debate we ever had. Like, do you want two or three? And I was like, two. So there's one adult per child. <laughs> I hear that. Um, but very, very quickly. I mean, we, and we started trying, um, honestly, well, okay. So how, how quickly do you want to get into it? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Keep, let's keep do asking it. me questions. Keep yeah. asking me questions. <laughs> so, so you start, um, you're talking about, so you're getting married, right? You got married eventually. And uh, we got married, we got married legally in the U S. Um, and then like, uh, uh, to, just to, so we didn't have to deal with all the visa bullshit and whatever. Right. And then, and then a year later, um, we had a real wedding in, in Israel. And then he decided to move to America. He already, um, when we had our, our wedding, um, how, what, how did the timing? Yeah. I mean, he, we, like we bought a house together. Like we, we, we knew that he was coming, okay. but we, we got legally married. We just went to the courthouse and got legally married. And then, um, like a couple months before the wedding, he came to LA to visit. Um, and we, we, I think had like unprotected sex once uh-huh. and I got pregnant. Got it. Okay. And I was like three months pregnant at our wedding in Israel. Okay. And then he could not come to America for another five months because he was waiting on his green card. Like he could not, his passport was in the embassy. Got it. So he couldn't leave the country. So when he came um, to, when he finally got his green card and came to LA, I was nine months pregnant. So he, and we have video of it. He lands in LAX and he sees this <laughs> woman with this giant belly and he was just like, whoa. I mean, it was really wild. It was wild. Right. Cause FaceTime wasn't, wasn't what it was today, right? There was no FaceTime. There was huh. no, you know, we were on a, like WhatsApp had just sort of come to be, you know, I remember our phone bills 
I'm nine months pregnant. My, my husband lands in LA, leaves his whole family behind in Israel, leaves his career to start all over again, just to start a new career, you know, uh, uh, in the U S um, you know, it was just a very dramatic, um, <laughs> thing. Um, and I go into labor at 40 weeks and we lose the baby from a cord accident. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. What was that like? It was, you know, as you can imagine, it was like, I, you know, it was the most tragic, horrible, like, I still can't believe that, you know, it was seven years ago now, <sighs> eight years ago, nine years ago. And, you know, he and I looked at each other like, holy shit. I mean, I didn't even know that happened to people ever, ever. Right. No complications during, um, perfect, perfect pregnancy. Everything perfect. was great. Perfect. And so, you know, here, here we are, you know, two people who'd never been in the same city more than like three weeks with each other. Um, and now we've got this tragedy to deal with and yeah, it was just really wild. Anyway, I end up getting a job like 10 days later at a TV series in Chicago and we moved to Chicago for six months, just the two of us. And it was, it was a godsend. It was amazing. Just mm -hmm. like the two of us plucked out of LA and we were in our own little bubble and we had time to heal and sort of reconcile what happened. And when we got back, um, we started trying again. And, you know, I'd never been pregnant before this. And literally our first try, I got pregnant. And so I figured, you know, I was, I'm I was 36 then. And I was like, okay, it's going to be easy. You know, even my fertility, or my OB was like, yeah, I just, you know. Well, six months go by and I'm not pregnant. Mm -hmm. and my periods are starting to get weirder and whatever. So we go to a fertility doctor and he was just like, you are, you are speeding towards, I'm 36 at the time. You are right. speeding towards menopause. And I was like, what? How is that possible? <laughs> I'm so healthy. Everyone in my family, like there's no history. Like what the fuck? And we, we launched into, you know, a, uh, five years of crazy, um, IVF, uh, that, you know, five years later, you know, we, we basically spent all of our money, <laughs> um, uh, bur burned out, you know, I mean, I, I got pregnant two more times, one time at four months, we discovered there was a major problem. We never found out what the problem was. Mm -hmm. We did every genetic test, every chromosomal test, everything was normal, but the baby was extremely deformed. So I, I had to have a, you know, we terminated at four months mm -hmm. and then two more times I had miscarriages. And then finally I was just like, you know what, you know, they tested my husband's sperm. It was perfect. Like, you know, they said he, he had the, the sperm of like a 20 year old uh, IDF soldier. <laughs> Man. So I was like, you know, I'm not that uh, precious about myself. I always said, I want his babies. I don't care about me. I want his babies. And so I sort of removed myself from the equation. You know, we, we, I, we have a wonderful therapist who helped us, um, uh, you know, help me release. I, I just got to a point where I was like, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. I've been pregnant for three years. And I have so much trauma around it. 
Um, and so we started working with a surrogacy agency um, and both of our girls were born via surrogate. Okay. That's a lot. That's it's a, a lot. lot for me emotionally. So I can't imagine, you know, what you guys have been through, but first of all, I'm sorry. Um, that doesn't seem fair. Um, before we get into, I guess, the happier parts of it, can we dive yeah. a little deeper into <laughs> the, everything that you've gone through? So, yeah. Wow. What a way to start a marriage and a, and a, and a relationship. That's a lot. What was it like? I mean, we don't have to go into the details of the trauma of the of a stillbirth. I don't know if you want to go in the, into that, but I would like to talk a little bit about the relationship between you and Guy at that time and how the heck I know you moved you moved to Chicago. You said Chicago, yeah. But, um, how do I mean? How do you even process that and and move forward? You know, look, I think a lot of people. Um, I can understand how it's, it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of, um, you know, to be going through that as a couple. I mean, we were very lucky that somehow in a way it made us stronger. I mean, I really think all of that, yes, everything made us a stronger, tighter couple because it was us against the world. I mean, it was really just like us, um, as, as a team, it bonded us in a way that, um, I can see how that can drive two people apart. But for mm-hmm. us, it, it, it drove us together. So it really was a, um, a binding element in our marriage rather than, um, re- but, but I can see how, how it could, if you are not like so on the same page and so sensitive to the different ways in which each couple processes trauma, um, we just happen to be a, a unit through it all. I think that's impressive. I think my, um, my parents, my mother had a stillbirth at really, yep. She, you know, she didn't know what to say when she found out I was going through infertility, but she has her own, she, she also was able to get pregnant pretty easily. Um, but she has her own trauma and, and grief. And this was, I'm how old, 42 or 43. And she had this it was 40 years ago and she has not healed through it. And she and my husband and her husband, my dad had very different reactions to this at the time. I mean, it was really the baby died. She had to keep it inside of her for a month. Um, and then she had to vaginally give birth because they didn't want to do another C-section on her. I mean, the whole thing was just very different than how it would be handled today but their relationship really truly suffered because they couldn't process it in a similar way. And my mom says she thinks about this baby every single day. And I don't know that my dad feels that way or can understand it in that way. But 40 years ago, she still thinks about this baby every single day. And she went on to have three kids. Um, So I can, I can understand that that's a lot. I have to say that, you know, we really like, we're not very religious people at all. Um, I feel that I'm culturally Jewish. I feel tied to my roots, my ancestors, you know, guy is the grandchild of four Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but through, during this period, I really did lean on, I said to my mom, just tell me, tell me like the most religious Jewish thing I, I can to help me get through this. And what I discovered is that in Judaism, um, they don't believe that a person is a person until they take their first breath. And this quote unquote baby, and it was a girl, never breathed. And 
and, and you don't have a funeral. I mean, I know like in, in Catholicism, you have a full funeral, you have a showing, you have, you know what I mean? I've seen pictures on Instagram of people, you know, holding their, the, the dead child, you know, all this other stuff. And I could not have handled that emotionally, no fucking way. Mm-hmm. And for me, Judaism really helped me get through it. And I think a lot of the Jewish, um, the, the Jewish, uh, what's the right word, tradition, ceremony around it, is because so many, uh, there was so much, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, prenatal death, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, there, there was so much, there was so much infant mortality, um, that they wanted people to just push through it and keep, keep having babies and keep trying. And, and on the one hand, that's like not good because you don't process the grief, but then on the other hand, like it's fucking survival. You know, it helped me survive. I, I really appreciate that. And that's different than what I hear people often say. Um, and I love, I love that you're able to take the Jewish tradition and kind of, it helped you and it helped you wrap your mind around what was happening at the time. And I love that. I appreciate that. All right. So all that is to say, I feel like I was spared, um, you know, the cord was wrapped around her neck for how however many hours. So she could have been brain damaged. You know what I mean? I feel like nature spared me. And this is me getting very honest about it, you know, which yeah. maybe a lot of people would, would judge me for this, but, and whatever, fuck it, judge me. <laughs> but to be, to have to parent a, a severely disabled child, um, you know, and, and for a severely disabled child to have to live in the world, you know, I was spared that. And I have, I'm grateful for it. Nature was like, this is this is not going to happen. We're sparing you of this. And so in a way, I feel gratitude. I through the, the clarity of like almost a decade now, I and having two kids who are, you know, not disabled, um, I, I, I was spared that. So I'm, I have gratitude around what happened to me. I appreciate that. So when did you guys decide to turn to surrogacy? What was that like? It was the the fourth time I was pregnant and I, we, I had a miscarriage at Cedars. I, we, I started bleeding and guy rushed me to Cedar sinai and I literally had a miscarriage in the waiting room bathroom at the ER at Cedars. And I, I just looked at guy and I was like, I can't be pregnant anymore. I would go to the, to the, to the, um, the, the OB or the fertility doctors and I would open my legs up and my legs would be shaking back and forth uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. because I had so much trauma around it. I was so, and I couldn't take a Xanax. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. Right. Um, and I just said, I was like, I got to remove myself from the equation here. And was Guy on the same page? A hundred percent. I love him. A hundred percent. I love this. Great. So how, what was that process like? You begin, you, do you know what to do? So you decide you want to use a surrogate. Do you even know where to start? We went to a, our, our Andy Huang, our, our doctor, um, our IVF doctor, introduced, introduced us to a surrogacy agency. We, we met this wonderful surrogate. She has six kids um, and, you know, just fell in love with her. Lovely, wonderful. We did an embryo transfer. She got pregnant. Um, I'll never forget this. I was in New York 
um, doing a shooting a series and um, we went to go see the heartbeat for the first time. And I'm in an Uber, there's a blizzard and I'm in an Uber share. There's like three (laughs) other strangers with me. Okay. And I'm like huddled in the back seat on FaceTime waiting to see in LA the, you know, the heartbeat. And they do the ultra, they put the ultrasound wand in and there's silence. And I'm with like three strangers in this cab in a blizzard (laughs) and there's no heartbeat. And I'm just like, you've got, and, and I'm on my way. Oh, I forgot to mention this. I'm on my way to a reading at like the public theater with this really prestigious, you know, theater company okay. uh, playing the lead in this play, you know, that I'm sort of, you know, in front of this whole group of, you know, snobby theater people. And, and, and I see there's no heartbeat and I have to go to this reading and I'm with strange. I mean, it was just the most horrible. You've got to be kidding. There really wasn't. Kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm like waiting for the punchline that there Okay. So there's no heartbeat. There's no heartbeat. So I remember, so Guy and I, and then, and then we're just like, what? We're fucking cursed. We are cursed. We even go to a surrogate and we're cursed. Oh my gosh. So I remember our, um, the Neo, uh, the, the Dr. Platt, Dr. Lawrence Platt, he gave me what well, he's like a um, specialist for uh, neonatal uh, problems basically. He does all the genetic testing and all that. And he said to me, there was a quote from the Bible that he said, here's me like throwing all these things from the Torah. And I'm like the least religious person. I'm an atheist, by the way. But he was like, in the Bible, there's a saying, change your place, change your luck. Uh And we'd been with the same fertility doctor for four years. Yep. And I broke up with him. I, I had to have that hard conversation. And I was like, I got to just change it all up because something is not working here. My, our approach together, your approach is just not working. Okay. So we found a new doctor and he has a surrogacy agency within his practice. Mm-hmm. And we met this wonderful woman named Shalena. She's black, by the mm-hmm. way. Um try telling that to your 96 year old Jewish grandmother. (laughs) Can I just say again, I don't know why I'm bringing up my parents, but when we um, were receiving a donated embryo, it was right after we were adopt trying to adopt. And my dad was so confused because we were very vocal, like, well, we'll take any baby. Like we don't care the race or gender. Like we didn't care. And so he's like, I'm so confused. Like, is your like what color is your child like where is he from where are they from like he was just he couldn't get it like he he's Israeli so maybe it was something about that but he just like did not understand like what I had inside of me okay back to you and your surrogate well yeah I think that for older generations and even for people you know it's really uh it's a mind fuck (laughs) he was so confused the whole time I'm like he just, he really didn't get it. He really didn't get it. Um, and my grandmother too, like they were just, so, they were, I love them dearly. They just, it's so much, it's so different than their own experiences and they could not wrap their heads around it. Totally. I mean, but look, you know, and I really credit the LGBTQ community for just exploding the, um, you know, the boundaries and the borders around like what it means to be a human being and how connected we all are to each other. And, you know, I mean, I give them a lot of credit because they normalize a lot of things that the previous generations just didn't understand. 
for so, sure. Anyway, um, okay. yeah. So, so literally, we we switched, uh, and you know, we were discussing like, do we find a surrogate in Georgia, in Tbilisi, Georgia, in the Ukraine, and that's so much cheaper there? Mm-hmm. Like, we met with a doctor in Israel. You know, I, I, um, anyway, I found a do- I found a fertility doctor that was down the street from us. He connected us with our wonderful surrogate, Shalena. First embryo we put, we, we first transfer we did. She was pregnant. We were in New York. We were again in New York. We were shooting Skin, a, a feature that we did, my husband's first uh, American feature. So she was pregnant the entire time we were in New York, which in a way was a good thing. So I didn't have to sit at home and stew mm-hmm. and be neurotic. Um, and actually I was in New Mexico shooting a TV show when she went into labor like a week early and credit to my production and having a female showrunner, they shut down production. So I could leave, watch Alma being born, you know, like she slid into my arms. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Held her for 24 hours. And then I had to go back for another three weeks and and finish shooting. (laughs) Wow. Wow. What an experience. So Wow. So what's, what's it like to have a, you know, the relationship like with, with your surrogate, was she the surrogate for your second child? Like, like who's she this was. person? To She's the godmother to Alma. She's her godmother. Wow. Um, she, uh, we, we worked with her also for Mila. Um, Mila was a whole other situation, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I love her. I am so grateful, eternally grateful for this extraordinary woman who housed our, she was their first home, both what our kids' gift. first home. What, what a gift. What a gift, literally. We, we say that our daughters were born through the miracle of love and science. Yeah. I get it. I really, really get it. So, okay, so you're, and now your daughter is how old? Three and a half. Three so and Alma's a half. three and a half and Mila's two and a half. Oh, so you like got on it really quickly to have a second. So, you know, Guy and I, we had these embryos in the freezer. Guy and I were like, we were in our four, early forties, like, let's get the show on the road here. You know, yeah. I think little did we know that when you have such a small age difference, oof, it is so intense. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but we, uh, Alma was like, yeah, Alma was, how old was she? Six months old. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And we, we, um, said, you know, Shalena, would you be ready to do it again? And she was totally game. She had such a positive experience. Um, and we did the transfer and we got, we were literally heading to Israel. I think that two days later we were on, supposed to be on a plane to Israel Mm -hmm. with Alma. And, um, we got a call from, uh, from the surrogacy agency. You're never going to believe this. Um, Shalena is her water broke at 24 weeks. Oh my gosh. And she was in Vegas visiting her uncle. Uh Uh-huh. She was visiting family in Vegas and we were like, what? And at 25 weeks, Mila was born via emergency Mm C-section. She was a pound and a half. Okay. Yeah. It's like, we can't catch a break. (laughs) And what was that like? I mean, you've had a lot of trauma. Was there, was was, there, and you have a little baby. And And we have a little, we have a little, we have a one-year-old. Yeah. We have a 13 month old. So what was that like? It was, it was, uh, very, very hard. It was very so she, hard. Was she in Vegas and you guys were now back home? We were back in- home. She was in Vegas. Um, 
we saw, we went to see her once in the mm-hmm. incubator and the, mm-hmm. the doctors there were like, go to Israel. You know, yeah. y- there's nothing she can do in here except just, you know, grow, mm-hmm. you know, there's like, we couldn't even touch her. I mean, she mm-hmm. was, she was, you know, literally she was this, this big. It was wild. You can't believe that a, a human can exist yeah. outside of the womb at that. But uh, so she just, you know, I went to Vegas 17 times, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. She was, we were very, very lucky because she was on um, oxygen for like 24 hours and then was able just to go on the cannulas. Mm-hmm. And she is, you know, as I said, miracle of love and science, but like really science. <laughs> She's this normal, healthy kick-ass I mean no one can believe that this child is uh was born you know she was a micro preemie they call them Mila wow I love her Milagro. I'm, lo- uh, I'm loving your miracle family. miracle so what was it like to go through all of this in the public eye I mean, I'm not like, you know, it's not like I'm like, you know, Jennifer Aniston or, or whatever. Okay, you're kind of cool, though. You're on TV and in movies. So kind of in the public eye. What was that like? You're talking well, about it. You have articles. I'll tell you something. You we're a very good friend of mine, Kimberly Vanderbeek, uh, James Vanderbeek, uh, Dawson's Creek. Yep. Dawson from Dawson's Creek. Yep. They have six kids. Mm-hmm. They're two of our dearest friends. We just saw them over the weekend. They moved to Texas, but they were here over the weekend. And I give her a lot of credit because she and I were pregnant at the same time, our, my first uh, pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have, then, then Alma is the same age as their other daughter, Gwen. They're like a couple of weeks apart. And she has had multiple um, late term miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and she's been very public about it. And I think that she, I think we've sort of motivated each other to just be more open. You know, my baby shower with our first, with our stillbirth was in People Magazine. We have this mm-hmm. huge baby shower in the press everywhere. You know, we have celebrity friends come and blah, blah, blah. And how do you, how do you like, how do you deal with that? Um, and I credit Kimberly to, to helping, you know, explode this narrative that everything is perfect. And, and if there's, you know, there, there's so much shame around something going wrong. Like shit goes wrong. Nature nature just does it to yeah. animals to humans and I think that I think I don't feel like a trailblazer I think she is more of a trailblazer I'm just sort of um I just want to be open about it because I want my girls to feel super normal about it I appreciate that um so what's going on in your life now so right now we're juggling we're like in you know Full, hardcore juggling kids in work mode. We were, we've been gone for seven months, the past seven months. We're finally back in LA. We, we were in Vancouver for five months while I was shooting a series and my husband's film got the green light. So he was in London for three months. We were separated from him for three months, shooting the gold in the ear biopic with Helen Mirren. So he was, he was there for, you know, a long time. And then we went to Israel because he was doing post-production there. Um, you know, we hadn't been to Israel. My in-laws had never met Mila, uh, because of COVID. COVID. Um, and we all just got back and, and now it's just juggling, juggling the, the crazy, they're back in nursery school and figuring out life, trying to, you know, we produce together, make films together in my work and, you know, yeah, the craziness of working parents. 
I do understand. I know um, you do. <laughs> so um, I guess our, my last question I have for you is you've been through a lot. I'm glad you have a happy ending. Um, what advice would you give to our community? First of all, I, there's a, a little doc, a short documentary, a 30 minute documentary, the guy and I made at the beginning of COVID. I'll send you a link and you can post sure. it on your, um, on your podcast about guy is always with a video camera or like a phone, just always everywhere, you know, it's just always on. So we had hundreds of hours of footage over the 10 years it took us to create a family. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I would have seen a movie like this because it, it shows you our whole journey, but it also offers a tremendous amount of hope. And I rem- I'll never forget the advice that our first um, fertility doctor gave to me when we quote broke up. He said, listen, as long as you keep trying, you will have a baby. As long as you just keep going. Whether you need to, you know, get a second mortgage on your home, whether you need to add a family, whether, you know, scrape shekels together, whatever you need to do, if you don't give up, you will have a child. And that was our motto, you know, throughout this whole thing. We just wanted to, you know, and I have a wonderful therapist, like the point is to be a mother. The point is to have a family with Guy. That's the point. And as unconventional as it was, we made it happen. You know, we just, we wanted an Alma and a Mila. That's what we wanted. And we just like did not stop until we had our Alma and Mila. Jamie, I love you. I love your family. I appreciate you you sharing your story. Thank Thank you you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And I hope, you know, more people, I'll post this on my Instagram. I I hope that more people know about this because, oh my God, you're not alone. You know, there (laughs) is... Once you scratch beneath the surface, most families have gone through similar things like this. Part of being human. Part of being human. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Fruitful and Multiplying. And as always, reach out with more podcast ideas and feedback. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Jewish Fertility Foundation.